My guest on the show this week is Andrew Wibberley, back on the Marketing and Finance podcast for the second time. Like me, Andrew decided to leave big corporate and set up his own business. After several successful years, he's decided to accept a role which takes him back into a corporate environment. So we reflect upon the lessons Andrew learned from launching his own business and how he can take those lessons back into his new job. Welcome to episode 171 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh, helping you keep your marketing strategies simple and the BS at bay. Hey folks, and welcome to the Marketing Finance Podcast. Thanks, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plug me and my guests into your earphones. Before we get into this week's interview with Andrew Wibberley, I'd just like to thank you for all the feedback you gave me on last week's solo show. If you remember, I was talking about Weatherspoons and their decision to stop using social media in their marketing. And I expected it would turn out to be a little bit of a controversial subject, but it seems like it really resonated with a lot of you. So thanks for the tweets, thanks for the emails, and thanks for the feedback. So let's get into this week's interview with Andrew Wibberley. We chat about why Andrew set up his own business, the ups and downs of self-employment, the importance of learning from mistakes, the marketing challenges Andrew faced, how being self-employed allows you to stretch yourself, and taking self-employment lessons back into big corporate. So let's get straight into that interview with Andrew right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Andrew Wibberley, welcome back to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Hi, Roger. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Andrew. More to the point, how are you? Because you're just about to go back into big corporate after, what is it, three years as an entrepreneur and business owner? Yes, that's right, Roger. I'm still looking for a more positive phrase than, than going back into corporate. But no matter how many times you try and say something different, that is ultimately what I'm doing. I'd like to say going forwards again or going around, but uh, you're right. It's an interesting conversation that we want to have today because in the modern world, there seems to be this whole thing about you've got to get out of big corporate, you've got to leave your job, you've got to set yourself up as an entrepreneur, you've got to build yourself a personal brand. And people look at you as if you're mad if you don't think that that's the best thing for you. And, and and actually, let's face it, there are lots of really good reasons why it's okay to work for a company. And it'll be quite an interesting conversation today to, to speak to you about your experiences having left big corporate, about setting up your own business, learning all sorts of lessons along the way, and then the decision that you've taken to effectively, as you say, going back into big corporate. But before we get into that, Andrew, it's been a couple of years since you were on the podcast so just give me a little bit of background about yourself and what makes Andrew Wibberley tick. Yeah so I'm Andrew Andrew Wibberley. By background I'm a life insurance underwriter which um, if I ever get asked the awful question at dinner parties or, or in pubs what I do I, I guess when people die or gamble on when people die and yeah, I've been doing that since I was 21. And, uh, and as you allude to, I guess, Roger, I've worked at various reinsurers who insure insurers and insurers along that time. And then three years ago, yeah, I, I set up my own company. I think you were one of the first people I spoke to when I made the 
uh, brave, foolish, forward-looking decision to do that. Uh, and you're now one of the last people I'm speaking to um, as I as I go back into corporate. Things that make me tick. I I guess there's there's a divide. Although one of the joys of self-employment has been. I guess blurring that divide for me between personal and professional. So personal, I'm a I'm a dad of a five year old and three year old, um, and I've had a fantastic time in the last three years being more involved on that side of things. Professionally, and again, a reason for both moving into self employment and now back into employment. I'm really keen that we make insurance easy, simple, not easier or simpler, but easy and simple. Um, and specifically in terms of what I do in underwriting that that there is more fairness and more accessibility for insurance to people who may have interesting lives, um, possibly more interesting than people like you and I, who uh, underwriters can get a bit jealous about um, and charge a bit more than uh, than maybe we could or should. So those are the things that really make me tick personally and professionally. Yeah, the simplicity thing, as you know, is a, is a massive obsession with me. Um, I was obsessed with simplicity when I worked for big corporate myself, and, I, and I've almost reinvented myself as a, as a marketing person specialising in helping people keep their marketing simple. I keep going on about how important it is to keep strategy simple and and language that you use in marketing material simple. And of course, we both know that the insurance industry and financial services is a wider uh, part of that can get incredibly complicated. So hopefully some of the lessons that you've learned working out there on your own, running your own business, you can now take into the company you're about to start working for and, and hopefully help them on a journey of even more simplicity. But going back to when you left reinsurance land, when you left Swiss Re, what were the original reasons that you had for, for wanting to leave corporate and setting up the company which became Alia Risk, which was your underwriting consultancy company? Yes, I'd been at that company for, for about five years. I'd, I'd, um, I'd had a big promotion there to be head of head of underwriting which meant I had a big team and lots of, um, you know, a fancy title and everything like that. And I enjoyed my time there. And I think I did a pretty good job. I may have even said more than that in reviews at the end of the year. But I think overall I did a pretty good job. But it's a huge organisation and it's very, very hard to get things done quickly. So professionally, I guess there was some frustration with some of that bureaucracy. Probably actually what brought things to the fore was that that company, they have a a belief that every four or five years you should kind of regenerate and and, and do other things um, within the company. And some most of those opportunities, most of those big opportunities were overseas at that time. Um, and for me, that really focused my mind on what was important. And um, with the support of a wife who had gone self-employed a couple of years before, uh, some bravery and and some, I guess, confidence or arrogance, depending on you know who you speak to about me. I, I took the view that actually it would be interesting to see how this other role played out. Now, there were some examples of people doing a similar thing to me, but most of those people, and in fact, I think all of those people, when I actually got to know them better, had either been made redundant, had already paid off their mortgage or had a very clear first client. And I had none of those things. So um, I think I think it was a bit more of a, a leap into the unknown than I had appreciated at that time. Uh, I guess as with any decision, there's a kind of a combination of that push and, and pull going on there. Was there a sense of relief when you left the big corporate and thought, now I'm my own boss, I can shape my own future, it's gonna be bloody hard work, 
but I want to get at it and 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 I've, almost like a blank canvas, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think very quickly. I think very quickly in anything, and I'm sure it'll be the same when I when I go back to corporate. But but probably not to the same extreme. Very quickly, you realise the things you really enjoy doing, and some of those are things you'd have expected to enjoy, and and some of those aren't, frankly, um, and and vice versa. The things that you know are going to be drags on your time. And I know everyone would always say it's accountancy, and it's you know, but it's it's it surprised me at times some of those things that I've either really enjoyed or not. Um, so yeah, I genuinely from quite early found that very liberating. I enjoyed the freedom. I probably had that honeymoon period of going, this is all great. And then as I say, gradually it took me about three months to get the first paying client mm-hmm. from, from, from when I, you know, from when my notice ended, I did everything I would say on record. I did everything pretty properly. So through my notice period, I didn't really talk to anyone. And it's fair to say by two and a half months, I, that that, free, that enjoyment of freedom was beginning to waver a bit. As I guess as often happens in life, whether it's, you know, when you're waiting for a bus or when you're 15 year old, when you're 15 years old and you haven't had a girlfriend. <laughs> Suddenly, once one comes along, you become uh, more attractive or a second or third bus or a girlfriend, you know, comes along. And and that did tend to happen throughout my time self-employed with clients. So I think there's something in that once you, you know, whether it's a confidence thing, whether it's you've just been doing enough of the right things over time. But I actually ended up, you know, my first paid day's work, about January the 10th. I, I ended up doing working for two clients on the same day. So, um, yeah, I think from the start, there was an awareness that it was going to be a bit more roller coaster and highs and lows. And I think, you know, my, the, the thing I would say to anyone is always that with self-employment, you know, the highs are higher and the lows are lower. And it's just, I guess, as an underwriter and a you know, risk manager, for me, it's always been making sure that those lows aren't too low. Uh, the highs will kind of take care of themselves but getting things in place to make sure that when things don't go so well that it doesn't kind of have a um, the vicious circle doesn't kick in and you don't start kind of doubting and meddling and all of those things. Yeah, I think when I left big corporate and set up on my own, one of the mistakes that I made was obviously I played my existing network. Like you, I had a few months where I had to sit in a garden and I was always very incredibly grateful to my previous employer for giving me voluntary redundancy in one of the hottest summers we've ever had in um, Scotland. (laughs) And I was in in the garden literally for three months soaking up the sun. I got out there, I got clients, but one of the big mistakes a lot of people make when they become consultants and possibly any sort of self-employed role is you you roll your sleeves up, you do the job for your clients, and you forget to market yourself so that you, you're effectively teeing up the job that you want to be doing after the current one's finished. And no matter how many people told me that that's what would happen, and I've, no matter how many times I said, I'm not going to let that happen to me, it absolutely did. So I rolled my sleeves up. I got really involved with a couple of pieces of work. And then I came up for air and thought, oh, this job finishes in a couple of weeks' time. And I haven't thought about putting myself out there for the next role. So... Did you find that that sort of thing was happening to you? I'll be totally honest, Roger. I think that's the that's probably the only lesson where I actually listen to people, probably right. like you. Uh, and, and I do think, you know, for all, as I said to you before this, I would love it if somebody listening to this either makes a decision to, to leap or makes a decision not to or it helps someone who's at about that starting off point. But I do think the reality is, is that with most of these kind of things or lessons you just have to make to make the mistake yourself and hopefully 
you won't make it as often. You'll make it once and then you'll remember, yep, somebody did tell me that and I'm a bit of a fool, but I'll move on. However, on that, I think from very early on, I was pretty clear I didn't ever want to work on a full-time contract um, for anyone because if I was doing that, I may as well, in my head, I may as well have an employed role, mm-hmm. even for sort of one month, three months. So the most I ever did on a client was about 15 days a month. Mm-hmm. And the aim was always to have two or three clients at any point which is partly again kind of me trying to construct almost this fun role yeah. with a variety of different inputs and stakeholders so, so i wasn't working for competitors but i'd have those different insights which is being honest what's keep what keeps me fresh and what keeps me ticking and thinking is the ability to be able to go and talk to a financial advisor one day a reinsurer the next a, an it startup the next day um ideally with some painful work rather than me just having nice meetings which yeah. is always a challenge um but to be able to do that and then that sparks ideas in my head of going well in theory if that person was speaking with that person then how would that work um which happens all too rarely in in, in our kind of world um so so i i think that was one thing i did okay um, now the asterisk on that is probably until my son broke his leg <laughs> um, earlier this year, and and at that point it was very clearly all hands to the pump, and basically the what went then was the yeah the marketing and and the getting out there and the blogs and and all of that <sighs> against which against which so one thing I've been good at by insurance standards is social media yeah now the very big <laughs> proviso within that sentence uh, again it's fascinating how you can represent yourself quite quickly and easily and appear that you are on top of things in pretty limited time uh, as i say certainly within an industry like mine or ours dare i say uh where you know people are less familiar with some of those I guess tricks or so or how easy some things are so so i didn't you know i didn't earn as much as I could have, and, and it would have been, a, I think, a problem probably later this year, actually, given how long the gestation period is for some of our contracts. But, yeah, it's still amazing how you can do some of those things quickly if you're disciplined enough to do them. And I suppose when you work for big corporate, you you almost expect things to take a long time. You know, I was always joke that every time somebody said a project would take a year, you knew it was really two years. If somebody said they'd get a report to you in a week, you knew it was going to be two weeks. You, you always had that expectation that things would take a long time. And when you work for yourself, for some reason, you think there's a magic wand being waved by some time fairy somewhere that all of a sudden everything will get quicker. But you're absolutely right. When you are negotiating a potential consultancy contract with a potential client, these things take just as long as they did before. I, I remember having a conversation with one company. I did a quote for them. They were happy with the with the um, amount of money. They were happy with the work. They were happy with the scope and all of that. And then I never heard anything from them for ages. And I sent them a couple of reminder emails and never heard anything back. And in the end, I mean, I, I don't like being too pushy. That's probably one of my one of my flaws is I don't push people enough. But I sent them another reminder email and again, not a peep. And then something like 18 months later, I got an email from them saying, we're ready to go ahead now. And I'd almost forgotten who they were. And it was almost like, well, I can't go ahead now. I'll have to re-quote and I've got other clients and we'll have to see how that fits in. But I did find that things are just as slow when you're out there working for yourself as they are when you're inside big corporate. Yeah, I think uh, so I think one of my favorite blogs that I wrote is uh, I think it's called a grumpy rant about time. Yeah. And 
it's exactly that that in our world, in my world, things work in quarters. I, I think I got pulled up by my wife when at some point I referred to, you know, well, we could do that next quarter in, in a conversation over the dinner table about a holiday or something. And and it's just that reminder that, you know, quarters don't really exist. No. Days exist and weeks do and months do. But in any project, if something kind of just misses, you suddenly give yourself another three months to deliver. And as you say, as someone who's self-employed, that's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> that is really hard. And the whole pipeline management thing is something definitely that I never, I could never understand. It's it's the really hard thing I think about being a sole trader, which in effect is what I was to yeah. the end of going, well, is that uh, to your example there of going, what will I be doing in three months time? What are my 90% chances, 50%, 10%? Um, and what's just going to come in from nowhere? And that that is really tricky. One of the most liberating things about leaving big corporate is freeing yourself from the confines of internal politics and worrying about what you might say just in case you might upset somebody further up the ladder. But as an independent, you know, they're getting you in because they want your expertise. They hopefully want you to bring something new to the party. And and I found that you're, you're almost um, a little bit less constrained than when you actually physically work for them, when you're actually physically employed for them. Maybe you can speak your mind more more maybe you can um, positively criticize them more than you may have felt comfortable doing when you were actually employed with them as an employee do you find did you find that experience too I did I think that's probably one of the things that as I got more contracts and became more confident I guess I, I think I got better at in terms of understanding yes people were using me for technical expertise, but actually the real or almost the personality type or role that would be most useful for them was quite different at different places. So I guess sometimes that's me going in as a, you know, as a suit and tie risk manager. At other times it's going in to be creative. At other times it's a bit bad cop because there's something happening in that organization where, you know, that someone wants me to kind of really shake up. And that bit I really, really enjoyed. Mm. <laughs> Being able, uh, it was also at times the most tiring when you've got three different clients on different days and you have to remember who you are that day. Yeah. Um, but actually, for me, I, I I enjoyed that. And and in thinking about returning to big corporate, um, I'll admit it. That's what I'm doing. Um, I think almost defining that consistent managerial role. Um, or personality type is, is is one of those things that does kind of circulate through my mind as to as to you know how, how much that is because obviously if you're there every day you need you know you, you, people around you expect that consistency they don't expect you to be going in one day and being wildly creative and the next and being very sensible and risk managery um, so I, I think I think kind of embracing that has been fun and and, and at all times you know I'm very much up the obvious statement it's okay to have fun it's it's i work much better when i'm in that state of mind um uh comes through time and time again yeah i think that it's very important to bring yourself whether you're working for a company or whether you're working as a consultant they're buying your expertise they're buying your insights they're buying your creativity and they're buying what you can see that perhaps nobody else can see and, and actually those are the most important 
characteristics of an individual, whether you're actually employed by a company or they're just hiring you for a consultancy contract. It's what you bring to the table that's most important. You mentioned before, Andrew, that you, you've done quite a bit of social media to promote Alia Risk and you've been doing blogging and I remember seeing some videos. What was the most successful piece of marketing that you did for your business? I wish I had an answer as good as the question. I, I think this is the area where I've struggled the most to see the connection in simple terms between uh, between marketing and sales, I suppose. Mm. Um, ultimately, and, I, and I've listened to your podcast and they've been really helpful. As I've mentioned a couple of times, my wife went self-employed before me and I used to infuriate her by saying, well, how do you win business? What, 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 which of these things that you do generates business? And she'd look, give me that look. Well, it's not that simple, dear. <laughs> and, and I now understand it's not that simple, dear, because there are some direct things where you, you know, you write an article, good, bad, or indifferent, and, and actually someone picks up the phone and says, "I've just read that," and that that doesn't happen very often, right? I think in general, being noisy is good, uh, getting out there is good, and, and all of that. Um, I think though, I did last year. I had, I guess, a deliberate small C campaign around the concept of resilience mm -hmm. and I guess that starts from a, a it starts from something that I personally care about and believe in which starts with a view that says we underwrite mental health less well than we underwrite other conditions in insurance mm. that's not a deliberate thing it's a consequence of many things and those are things I understand and know about from my professional background um, and and bringing that to the fore working with a financial advisor so working with um money's worth who who specialize you know, kind of similar to cura in people who find it difficult to get insurance I'm really talking about so resilience is the idea that it's not just what's happened to you physically but it's how you respond to those things that we should take note of mm. for life insurance and income protection insurance so that was really useful because it got me fired up. It got me talking about things I was passionate about. And I think people know, right, and, and people connect back with you. The, the slight hesitation in my voice through this is it didn't enable me to get that three- to six-month project with a major insurer to go and implement the bloody thing. <laughs> it got me conversations with quite important people who kind of went, oh, well, now we've heard you talking about this. Could you do this other thing? that actually was bang within my comfort zone even before I started talking about that and was okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it paid and it got some work. But I guess some of the reasons ultimately for going back is actually wanting to deliver on some of those things that I said should change. Um, so, but I guess the lessons for me there were it, you need to market on things that not just that you think um, the market wants to hear or where you think you've spotted an opportunity, but, that extra bit of emotion does see does does play through even in a world like insurance where you can for, you know forget that that the importance of that yeah i think one of the things i've found as well is i i've, I've tried to specialize in helping people with their marketing strategy and keeping their marketing strategies simple but you become known for things i've i've become known as somebody who uses social media and therefore people ask me to help them with their social media recently i've been messing around with videos i've done vlogs and i've done um two to three minute marketing videos and i've actually had companies asking me to do vlogs for their conferences now i never set out to say i'm a video producer 
it's not my area of expertise. But if you do things consistently and you do things well, it's likely people will ask you to help them in areas maybe you haven't thought of. And, and again, I think that's one of the interesting things about being self-employed, about being, about running your own business, is you will start straying into other areas as you experiment with different sorts of media and you experiment with different sorts of business models. I totally agree on that, Roger. And I do think, so when I started, I, I had a plan of what I wanted to do, but I, and I must have read this in a business book. You'd probably know which one, and I honestly can't remember. But the main thing I had was three things I definitely didn't want to do. Yeah. Um, and so for me, that was kind of it was writing, underwriting manuals. It was doing tr- training and seminars because I knew they wouldn't pay. I knew that ultimately they people would say they wanted them but would get them for free. Um, and there's something else I can't remember now. <laughs> um, I didn't. I, I stayed true to that. But to be honest, anything else on the kind of examples you're saying, I, th- I think it's, as you say, it's that joy of being able to follow your nose and occasionally do things that you know aren't, di- you know, going to on a clear path to anything, but you never quite know. And, and, and appreciating the luxury to do that, so long as you're getting enough income from other sources, has been a real joy of this, you know, this experience. So the business went well. Alia Risk was successful. But you are going back into big corporate. You're starting a new job in June with Vitality, um, one of the most exciting insurance brands in the UK, I guess, and a very pink brand. It reminds me very much of a brand I used to work for. Um, What was the catalyst for going back? Did they come to you or did you just decide that now was the time to move on to something different again? So this is a real this is a real life answer, right? So it's not it's not businessy and sensible and and all of those things. Uh, so that they called me um, on a Monday evening, and I I remember taking the call and then kind of slumping through to to my wife to say, oh, "This is really annoying," <laughs> because and and I think from the start I knew that I I would be really interested in it, and I, and again without being arrogant that I would be a pretty good fit. Um. And at that point, I wasn't kind of mentally quite ready to give it to give up some of the things I had. But you know that these opportunities don't come along all that often. Um, at the same time, it has to be said, I think my son was, so as I've already mentioned, he broke his leg at the start of this year. He He's in his first year, he's in reception at school, and basically school said, keep him at home for eight weeks. So we were in full on uber flexibility you know to the outside world all the advantages of self-employment but in reality chaos and you know, kind of half sort of homeschooling and all of these these things um so we tried we tried to have rational conversations about pros and cons generally aided by wine um, <laughs> than lists of, of you know pros and cons and and in the end roger i think it's you know it became a there were too many interesting things about it and ultimately, the potential to make some of these changes that I've begun to get frustrated that I can't make from the outside. So I've I've definitely, not just for a CV perspective, but I've definitely done things that I'm really proud of in terms of making companies have better propositions, you know, award-winning propositions or whatever. I've definitely helped, but I think there is a limit as a as a sole trader, as a single entrepreneur, to what you can really achieve. Um, and I think a guy we both know, Nigel Bradshaw, he's an actor who's been doing this 15 years. He still kind of finds my frustration quite endearing in that regard. <laughs> um, you know, I do something and you walk away and it, and it drifts a bit from where you had left it. And, and, and so I think 
I guess some of that control freakery or some of that desire to really get some of these things I care about, I really believe to happen is probably professionally the main drive for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then personally, I think, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to try and take some of the skills I've learned from self-employment around effective ways to work um, from home and effective ways to work in different ways and, and, and try and galvanize, I guess, and try and improve um, and work with a big organization who do uh, believe in those kind of things um, to really try and make that work in a way that probably before I'd have been a bit afraid of or a bit tentative around as to whether it, I, you know, it's really effective, but I, I know it is now. So, so I think though that combination of things um, ended up pushing me in that direction. Trying to summarise this in my own head now, having had this conversation with you, Andrew, and on obviously our experiences have, have followed a similar path in terms of working for corporate and leaving to set up our own businesses. The, the thing that stands out for me is when people are working for big corporate, you have got that constraint on you. You're, you're scared to um, upset the apple cart too much, especially if you're not in a massively senior role. There's all that politics going on. I think that by going out there, freeing yourself from all of that, learning how to run your own business, learning how you can go in and out of other businesses to help them, raises your confidence levels, makes you feel much more comfortable at challenging the status quo, at challenging what's given. And I think that what you'll find when you go into big corporate again is you will feel a lot more confident and a lot stronger in actually challenging those existing um, processes because they've come to you, they've seen what you're good at, and they genuinely want you to help them change. And I think that that's... You know, we started this podcast by saying that there seems to be this almost, it's a bad thing not to want to leave corporate and set up your own business these days. A lot of people, why would you want to work for a company? But I think that you've been out there and you've learned so much that why not take it back inside and make something better and make something bigger? That's my take on it. I think that's, yeah, you've summarized it much better than I could have. So thank you for that. Um, and I and I will plagiarize and, and yours. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think that's absolutely right. And it's not, um, I guess it's not intended to sound negative or threatening towards my future employer. But the reality is, is as exactly as you say, I've, I'm sure that when I'm there, I will be more effective with that confidence. Equally, you know, if, if, if in... 10, 15, 20 or, or less years time, you know, I'm in a position where, again, for, for whether it's personal reasons or professional reasons or both, then then I then I have a an increased, as you say, confidence, belief, understanding, which frankly might make me a bit more ambitious, I think, the next time, you know, if, if there was a next time that I came to self-employment, potentially to do something, I guess, bigger than consultancy, um, which has always been one of the, almost my next step as a, had I stayed self-employed would have been, well, do I stay as a consultant or are there things to grow this, you know, business beyond? So absolutely though, as I say, Roger, I think you've, you've summarized it perfectly. And as this is the marketing and finance podcast, I always like to ask my guests if there's a marketing campaign that's grabbed your attention recently, Andrew, and it doesn't have to be financial services, it could be anything. What's made you really sit up and think, I like that campaign or I need to buy that product or whatever it was. Tell us what you liked about it. 
Yep, so this probably won't come as a surprise to you. I'll, so I'll do it on home turf here, Roger. So it's it's squarely in protection, it's squarely stories, and and it's Cura, who I the favourite thing that I've seen them do are, are Catherine Knowles, who's who's a financial advisor, on her sofa with a cup of coffee or tea or whatever they drink in Yorkshire, um, and talking for five minutes about someone, sometimes about her or someone who they've helped. And I think the more that we can do in our world to share real stories about real people, um, warts and all, uh, to emphasise, as, as with me at this point in, in the self-employment employment thing, that things aren't always simple, um, but back to protection, that overall we try and do things in the best way we can and that there are ways that we can help. The vast majority of people is brilliant. And I think what Catherine does by just, you know, picking up a phone, looking down a camera lens and doing that is is so effective, but also I still think so easy. Um, and yet it's so challenging for so many different reasons for, for others to do. So so that for me stands out head and shoulders in, in our world. Yeah, Catherine's awesome and it's and it's so human and, and slightly vulnerable as well. And I think that those those characteristics just make it really, really quite compelling. And, and Andrew, has there been a business book you've read recently you'd like to share with the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast? Um, I think at the moment, and this, I'll be honest, I, I think at the moment I'm more onto how I'm going to use my train time now that I have to <laughs> every day. And so I'm reading all kinds of, I'm back to reading mindfulness books and things like that, that in some way are trying to instill this half hour um, as a as a calming thing, so I'm currently reading. I think Ruby Wax's Frazzled uh, <laughs> Mind and stuff like that, which which may be um, a sign of accepting defeat before it's even begun. Um, but I'm yeah, I'm more in in that space at the moment, uh, to be honest. Andrew, it's been fantastic to talk to you on the podcast again. I really enjoyed talking to you a couple of years ago at the start of your journey. It's probably more like three, to be honest, and the latest instalment and hopefully you'll be able to come back on the podcast maybe in another couple of years time and we can relive some of the experiences you've had working for vitality in the meantime i'm hoping that people listening to the podcast might want to get in touch with you so what is the best way that people should get in touch with you andrew yep so i'm on twitter i'm at andrew wibberley which um, you can do the spelling rather than me um on LinkedIn, Andrew Wibbly, and for the moment and for the foreseeable future, the email will still be Andrew at aliarisk.com, which is A-L-E-A risk.com. Yeah, any of those will be open for a while yet. Fantastic. And I'll include the links to those contact details at the show notes for this podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. Andrew, thanks very much for taking the time to come on the show. Let me wish you every success for the future. And no doubt we'll run into each other in London at some financial services event in the very near future. Excellent, Roger. Thanks. Really good to talk to you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.